0: Well, we're looking now at a, uh, a study from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 over these next several weeks. So I'm going to read just the first two verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for us now. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. You know, just as we think we're coming through this pandemic, what happens? The war in Ukraine breaks out. You know, this world that we know, it's kind of like, whoa, what's happening? Just when we think, okay, we're finally catching our breath, the next thing happens. And there, ha- there needs to be a thing where you say, where do we turn when we don't know where to go? We don't know where to turn. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, with the, with the news or the reports that we hear that can overwhelm us, where do we turn? Well, as followers of Jesus Christ, as those who love him, we turn to our Lord, our Lord God, who's greater than any of the problems the earth has, who is sovereign over even the difficulty of this world. We have a world which rebels because it doesn't want to follow God. But God still loves the world and is over it, but allows the world, you know, to go its way when they reject him. And out of that comes these problems, these difficulties we have. But as we turn, we turn to the Lord of the universe, the God who made the world and who's sovereign over it, who loves you and loves me, who's there for us even in these times of uncertainty. He gives us a hope that no virus can defeat, no panic can empty, no war can supplant. Our hope that is anchored and rooted in the sovereign God's love and power. And we're going to see this come out over these next weeks in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The hope of the resurrection, the hope where God will one day raise to life all who trust in him and we will live forevermore. This is our ultimate hope, the resurrection, eternal life with God in heaven forever in his kingdom that he's preparing even now for those who love and follow him. We're calling it Life the Sequel. We live this life, but praise God there's a sequel to this life. We've all seen a movie, you know, a first one. And if the movie's really successful, what do they produce next? Number two, the sequel, right? That comes next because they're like, well, we did well with this one. Let's see if we can make some more money with with the next one. Sometimes the sequels aren't as good. Sometimes they're okay. But in this sequel... Life is even better. I mean, we may like life here, but the sequel to our life in heaven is going to be even far greater because God has raised Jesus to life whose promise that he will come and bring us home to him. That's what Paul is focusing on in this chapter 15, in these 58 verses of 1 Corinthians 15, the hope of the resurrection. And, you know, in it, we find out that Jesus is, did something for us. Here's what we're going to find. The coronavirus. We didn't, you know, two, run back two years, we didn't know anything about outside of the medical profession. I didn't know what a coronavirus was. Probably many of you were in the same position. But what happens, that coronavirus can get embedded in our lungs and it causes great difficulty for us because it gets into those lungs and it starts replicating and it, what does it do? It prevents us from being able to breathe, exchange the oxygen. And so you have to go on ventilators or other machines to try to help you breathe. That virus embedding us can cause great trouble. This concept of embedding is important for us. We'll show in a minute. There's another thing about embedding. In war reporting, we see what's going on in Ukraine. In days gone by, in some wars, like the first Gulf War in in the early 90s, they had Press conference reporting. In other words, reporters who are trying to cover the war were limited to where the generals would give their report in some press conference. And that didn't come over very well because people thought, well, we can't see what's going on. We don't like that. And so the Pentagon came up with embedded reporting for the, uh, in 2000, after the United States invaded Iraq, you know, with the presumed weapons of mass destruction in Afghanistan, they started doing embedded reporting where they put reporters in the units who would go out in the Humvees and go out with them and so they saw what was taking place. It's part of a new effort to try to open up access to what was really taking place in the war. And people, not everyone liked it, but they thought this embedded reporting was better than press conference reporting because they could really find out and see with their own eyes what was taking place. Now there's you know, dangers to that because they're right where the action is. Maybe you've seen several journalists have died in Ukraine in the last weeks getting hit, their cars and that, because they're in the middle of the action. This embedded reporting, when you get in the middle of it, giving updates with bombs or bolts flying around, reports of firsthand knowledge. On the balance, embedded reporting was better than the old press pool reporting. And Why do we talk about this? Because 1 Corinthians 15 talks about Jesus who is embedded into our world for us. I mean, just think, Jesus was God eternal, the Son of God who lived eternally with the Father in glory in heaven. But his love for us was so much, he saw this world, the mess we were in, that God's plan was to send Jesus into the world for us, to give us what we need to to love us, to die for us. And praise God, be raised to life so we could find life. We could find reconciliation with God. Those of us, all of us, who are separated from God in our sin, now we can be reconciled with God. And it required Jesus to come to the world. In other words, really be embedded among us for a time. To live among us. To take on flesh. To experience what we experience. To experience the joys and the sorrows. To see life, to see death. Experience it all. Jesus did this for us. It was God embedded with us which brought this benefit to us because we then can find peace with God. We can be reconciled with God through faith in Christ and have that future joy of eternal life with him all because of what Jesus has done. This is a necessary and crucial step for us. God embedding his son Jesus in us in our world for a while. And Paul really develops it in 1 Corinthians 15. Not saying that every question you may have about the resurrection is answered, but this 15th chapter is the most extensive part in all of Scripture that talks about the resurrection and what that means for us. And the resurrection, not just as a mere event that takes place, but its implications for us. Because the resurrection is more than just something we are to know about. Or something that, oh, boy, we're glad about that. But it has implications. In other words, it has ways it needs to work out in your life and mine today, in our lives here. In light of what Christ has done, this glorious reality of Jesus put to death, raised to life, of Christ's resurrection foreshadowing all who trust in Christ, their own resurrection, and in the physical form, not just some ethereal idea, but we'll be raised to life physically. The resurrection reality, this reality, is to shape the way we live our lives today. We are to live in light of the resurrection's reality. The resurrection is the victory of the gospel, of what God has done for us. The resurrection is proof. It's display for all the world, the universe, heavens and the realms to see what God has done. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can't overstate how important this is for us because this is the best news we'll ever hear for our lives. Today, tomorrow, forever. There is no better news than Jesus died and raised to life and promised that we could do the same. Praise be to his name. So let's look at these first two verses to kind of get us going in 1 Corinthians 15. Looking at, reminded of the story. Here Paul is reminding us of the story in the very first verse. Now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. I want to remind you, he addresses the church, the people of God, the sisters and brothers in Christ, all who are part of the church, who have come to believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. In other words, those who make up the body of Christ. In Paul's day, as well as to us today, this is Paul writing to us. He's writing to the church in Corinth, but he's also writing to us by the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, church at Bethel Covenant Church, I want to remind you of the gospel. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. Paul is reminding the church that we ought to never forget, of what we ought to never forget. You know, and it's interesting to note in these verses that the same root word is used in gospel and preach, it's the same original in the Greek language, the original words. He says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. There's, those are two words. He's drawn a relationship. In other words, the gospel, as we've known and learned the last weeks, the gospel means good news, and preaches announcing the good news. They're from the same basic word, meaning good news. One is, this is the good news. The other one is proclaiming or announcing the good news. And Paul wants us to realize that he's proclaiming this good news to us, that gospel is the story. As we said, what is the story of? It's the story of Jesus, his birth, his life his teaching, his powerful works, his death, burial, and resurrection, his promise to us, and praise God, his victorious return. All the context of the scripture. This is the message of the gospel. The good news that Paul is preaching, proclaiming to the church, proclaiming to us. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you. This is good news that we who are separated from God in our sin, can receive the righteousness of God through grace by faith in Jesus Christ who died and rose again. This great gift, as we were saying, that makes it the good news, right? Because as we've been saying, the gospel means good news. That's why it's such good news. We are lost, separated from God, without peace. Now in Christ, we have peace. Through faith in him, God gives us grace and we are life and hope and a future eternal life in Christ. God does the work. This is the amazing thing. You and I don't do the work. This is nothing, okay, I've got to put in this effort to accomplish this. God has done all that needs to be done. He's done all the heavy lifting. We receive the benefits and then we live into it. But there isn't anything we can do to deserve it. God has done that through Jesus Christ. That makes it the good news. God, through Christ, doing what I could not do. God, through Christ, doing what only Jesus could do. And Paul was determined to remind the church, remind us of this good news. At the end of the 14th chapter, he talks about those who don't know, who ignore. And then here saying, I want to remind you because I don't want you to be ignorant, unaware, or forget about what you should know. Remind you of the truth. Do you occasionally forget things? Anybody need to write things down to remember things? Yeah, I kind of do it as well. How about family stories? Family stories. You know, you hear mom or dad or grandma or grandpa tell the story of aunt or uncle. because when we hear that, it's fun because it reminds us of our story as families, of maybe where we came from, of that homestead, that farm or town that we lived in, or your grandparents lived in. And it helps us to remind you of that, and when you lose a, a grandparent or parent. It's so helpful that you heard those stories numerous times because then they stick with you. If you just heard them once, few of us would be able to remember them. But when we are reminded of them, often, over and over, they stick. How about in school? The first month, week, or couple weeks to a month of school, if you're in math, do they just start out and go? Or do they do some memory work of what you learned the previous year? They do remind you because we need to know that to go forward. This is the kind of thing that Paul's saying, I want to remind you of this good news. We must have this basis of understanding of knowledge of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. This is important for us as people of God. And if we don't have that, if we don't have that, we don't have the good news. We don't have the gospel. There's great value to remind ourselves, all of us, of what God has done for us as a current guide to our faith today so that we're reminded, we think what God has done in, for me in the past, what God has done for you, that encourages and builds us up for the, faith, the challenges that we face today. So we remind ourselves of the things that God has done, remind ourselves of the essence of the gospel, so we live for that. Maybe one other thing. Let's say they're students, they're, they're learn, taking piano lessons, and they learn a piece in the fall. And now it comes to April and May, and maybe there's a recital. And does the student say, oh yeah, I learned that piece in October, I'll play that one, and then you show up in May and play that piece? Or does mom and dad help them practice it a few times ahead of time so they get that memory, muscle memory and remembrance of the piece so they can play it well? You remind yourself so you'll do a good job. This is how we are as people. We need to be reminded. That's why Paul does it, so we can be reminded of the good news, that which is foundational, which is essential for us as people of God. We're reminded of this good news of Christ. We never assume the gospel. When we assume the gospel, say, well, yeah, that's over here. When we assume it, it's just a generation, and we'll lose it. We always keep it pronounced in front of us because it's so fundamental to what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We need to be reminded of the good news. This is what Paul is saying to the church of all time. Reminded, let this sink into our hearts and minds because there's far too many people, even some who enter churches, historic Christian churches today, who live as if there is no resurrection of Jesus Christ. As if it's all about just the here and now. And there isn't a future. We, as those who know God through Christ, we realize we live now, but we also look to the future. We have one eye on the vision of what God has done. That's part of this good news of the gospel. We must live as this world, our lives, the earth has a future. This world as we know it is temporary. We have a kingdom in heaven, God's kingdom, which is eternal. And we live in the midst of both of that. Our troubles clearly point we need something. We need a resurrection. If we live just by our own strength, our own power, for here and now, we're not pleasing Christ. We're not living into him, and we're not availing ourselves of his power for those who trust in him. We need to be people who are blessed by the reminder. Too many miss the implications of the gospel. It's more than just here now. It's here now and forever. We live with that implication. So let's be those who, who what, are reminded, who always live in light that the resurrection is real, that eternal life is part of our situation. And we live in light of that to allow the beautiful story of eternal life to guide our perspective and response in life today. Jesus was embedded into our life so that we could have a sequel to this life, eternal life. That's the transforming truth Paul reminds us of through Jesus Christ. Not just reminded, but we need to be, people are recast by the story. What do we mean by that? Look, go on with that. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received. It's not just they heard it, but you received it. You heard the story, But you received it, you welcomed it into your life. This gospel, this glorious news. If we're the church, we must receive it because we are to be those who are shaped and formed by the gospel story. We're people whose lives are recast by the story of Jesus. What does it mean recast? It means molded anew, shaped into a new form, transformed into increasingly what God wants us to be. In opposition to just hearing about seeing and then going on. No, we're those who receive the message and our lives are changed. When we receive it, God works and he changes our life. He recasts us. An example, uh, a few years ago, there was a, a prominent man, Will Borden. He was educated, he had bachelor's and master's degree, received a law degree, was a practicing attorney, business owner, politician, served for a number of years, smart, educated, knowledgeable. And yet, when Borden, he didn't file his income taxes for seven years. Now, do you think he knew about income taxes? <laughs> he knew about it, but he didn't act on it. In other words, he didn't receive the information for whatever reason. I'm, it doesn't apply to me. I'm above that. Whatever it is, I don't need that. Whatever reason, he didn't receive it. Well, guess what? The authorities didn't take very kindly to it. And eventually, he was convicted and spent a year in jail because of that in prison for what he did wrong. But what happens? You must not just know about income taxes. You must receive it and file it, even if you don't like it. We must receive it for it to be effective in our life. That's what we need to do with the gospel—receive it in our life. Let it change us. Not be like someone who ignores it. To be recast as being transformed by the gospel message. We take it into our lives and we let it shape and form us into what God has for our lives. You know, with springtime, we think of flooding, and flooding can happen. And you know, there are certain places—roads, underpasses, under overpasses, and so forth—can flood. And you know, maybe you see a sign with flooded, turn around, don't drown. But what happens? Invariably people say, no, nah, I can make it through. I can do it. They see the sign, they see the situation, they've heard that, but they drive in. And what happens? Sadly, people's cars, vehicles start drifting down. It doesn't take many feet of water to float the vehicle and gone you are. They hear the news, they see it, but they don't receive it. To dismiss the news is to put yourself in danger. That's what it is if we reject, we don't receive the news of the resurrection. We're to put ourselves in eternal danger, become a fool who dismisses the work of Jesus Christ for you and for me. That's what it means if we don't listen, if we don't receive this message. Hearing and dismissing, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, the net effect is the same, to lose the power and the purpose of the gospel we're to be a people a church that is recast remade reshaped by receiving the story of the good news of jesus life death and resurrection we need to be recast you know what happens aluminum cans you recycle them lots of times you recycle them some of that aluminum can end up in an airplane that's a big difference A, a soda can or an airplane but that can be recast in something new. God wants to recast our lives into his image so that we are people transformed by the significant and sufficient work of Christ on our behalf. I think I remember a story, I read it a number of years ago, about, this, about how the gospel can change us. We're to be people who allows the gospel to change us. Deborah Daniels was someone who was recast by the gospel. She was born into a, a, a family that was a mess mother was a drug addict different kids with different dads and she was followed the ways that she saw in her family and became addicted to drugs early and life was a mess and eventually was put in put in prison for stealing and theft and she went till the time she was 30 or 31 she had spent three different times in prison and her life was a mess and she had no hope and she was in prison this third time and she was playing cards with some friends And just faintly, she heard from the chapel singing, Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever, the old hymn. She heard it singing. And when she heard it, she could tell that something was going on. God was calling her through the Spirit. And she put her cards down and went into the the chapel and heard them singing and heard the message of Jesus. And she gave her life to Christ at that point. Her life was completely changed. She was recast. She was reformed to the point now where people have said that Deborah Daniels, she is the great example of what a Christian woman should be as a mom, as a wife, as, a, as someone who works, who's involved in prison ministry. Her life was completely transformed because she received the good news of Jesus who died and rose again for her. And she allowed that change to come into her life, and she was completely transformed. That's the amazing thing that God can do. We all need to be transformed, maybe in varying degrees, depending where we're at. But God can do that. He can recast us into his image. And the resurrection of Christ is that foundational work of Christ's death, his resurrection, that can change us. But we must receive it to be a people who are transformed, to be transformed by the good news of the gospel. The degrees, as we said, may be different, but all of us stand in need to be changed, the gospel. Is the gospel recasting your life today? Is God doing that work? Are you being reshaped constantly into his image on a regular basis? So that we're more and more living our lives based on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Is it transforming you? Well, as we're transformed, we're to be those who remain in the story. We're reminded of it. We build our lives in the gospel. We're changed. We're transformed by it. And we are to be those who remain in the story. For the Next thing that's said, the last part of this first verse, which we received and on which you have taken your stand. Brothers and sisters, Paul reminds us of the gospel. It preached to us. We've received it, and on this we've taken our stand. It's what we've taken a stand, on which we have taken a firm stand. In other words, where you presently live. Paul is reminding the people where they stand firm and where the the bedrock for their lives is. We stand firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we have to be clear of what this means, about what it means to stand firm. Maybe some of you have had a, a vacation, which is a once-in-a-lifetime vacation, a once-in-a-lifetime experience kind of thing, and you went on a, a trip, and you had a, a fabulous time, and you, everything worked out great, and it was just wonderful. But you do that once, you don't do it every month, do you? If you go to Hawaii and spend a week or two weeks there and go at a nice hotel and nice restaurants, you don't come home and say, well, should we go back there next month? I mean, maybe that would be nice, but few of us have the access to those kind of funds, times, and so forth. It's a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience. The gospel is vastly different from this. That once-in-a-lifetime experience, now that's not what the gospel is. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. We stand on that word, not one time, but one time and continually times. In other words, we stand there through our lives. That's where we're rooted, anchored, where we plant our feet and where we live in all the ups and downs of life. We stand firm. It's not a one time I give my life to Christ and I go and live as I want. No, we give our hearts, our lives to Christ. We receive him as a Lord and Savior. And then we live standing firm on that good news of the gospel message. We're, it builds on this. and firm because it's the word that, that Paul received from Christ which he has passed on to us otherwise you would have believed in vain if it's just a one time thing he says it's vain it's worthless it doesn't have lasting power only when we stand firm on it empowered by the spirit this is what god has for us we remain and stand in the way of jesus christ you know it's interesting in in uh, god's word to the churches that we see in revelation in chapters 2 and 3 in the seven letters to the seven churches churches that understand the upheaval of a crazy world, John calls them overcomers. To those who overcome, to the ones that overcome, he continues to say, those who press on faith because they have taken a firm stand on Jesus Christ, on the gospel. They know where they stood. They stand firm, they're anchored and rooted in him, Of the story, the message of Christ. And because of that, they were able to overcome. We'll be able to overcome the world and the troubles, the heartaches, the difficulties, the wars, the pandemics, the economic challenges. We'll only be able to overcome those if we stand firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ, the facing the pressures of life. We've taken a firm stand. So we stand firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is where we stand because it's where we can deal with fear, wars, coronavirus, uncertainty, all these things that life can throw us when we stand firm on Christ, he is the one who is greater than all this, and we can overcome in him. Jesus Christ was embedded among us so that we can participate and be embedded in his promise of salvation. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in fame. So we hold firm, we stand firm. Otherwise, if we don't stand firm, it's worthless to us. Only as we stand, receive it, and stand in Christ will this message take root and flower in our lives. Christ was embedded for you and for me so that we could live in Christ. Being in Christ, having the privilege of knowing him, having the blessings of Christ, to live in union with him, to be blessed by his power and grace through a relationship with Jesus Christ. What does this mean? It gives us identity. It gives us identity this good news of the gospel, who we are, who God made you to be. How important for all of us, especially kids and teenagers, to realize their identity above all else is in Jesus Christ. And he says, you are significant. You are have meaning, you have value, you have purpose. I love you. This is where you are to identify yourself above all other things. It gives us our identity, and it gives us a purpose. God has a purpose for us, in life, to live by faith in Christ using the gifts we talked about last week, serving Him. And it gives us meaning because this is something which is, is significant and lasts forever. Meaning in life, our significance, that which shows that whoever we are, whatever God has given us, you are significant in God's eyes. He cares about you and that you are important to Him. In and through Jesus Christ and the relationship we have with Him, God embeds his son so that we can have identity, purpose, meaning, and significance through relation with Christ who died and rose again. Have you taken this, stir- this stand, this firm stand in Christ? Do you realize your identity, purpose, meaning, and significance? All because of the gospel of what Christ has done for you and me. We are to be a people who stand firm. We stand firm in the gospel. Not because we're arrogant to say, well, we alone know the truth. No, because God says this is the foundation so you can have the protection. You can find the hope and significance for your life. We take a firm stand in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what God has called us to be and to do. We're recast by the gospel. How is the gospel shaping your life? Only as we stand firm will the gospel shape your life and what God wants it in you and in me. Are you living it? Do you recognize it? Be reminded of this good news of Christ. Receive it. Be recast by it. And then stand firm. And in that, we will find everything God has for us, our identity, purpose, significance, and meaning, now, and praise God forever. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this glorious good news. We need this news of of hope and of certainty through the gospel. Thank you, Lord, that you share it with us and that we can be part of it, each and every one of us. Lord, if someone here doesn't know it or is living kind of apart from it, Lord, may they be recast by it and stand firm on the gospel and receive the hope, the love, and the strength that God has for them. Lord, we love you that you've done it for us. Help us, Lord, to be shaped and transformed by it. We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.